Welcome to Change My Movie Mind, brought to you by Jay from Filmstrip Podcast. And Anthony from Tissa Podcast. Each show, Jay and I will debate a movie-related topic and attempt to change the other's mind. We'll have a guest judge each episode to moderate and ultimately decide who should change their movie mind. All you have to do to enjoy is subscribe to either show, Tis the Podcast or Filmstrip Podcast, wherever you find podcasts. Hey, subscribe to both shows while you're at it and get ready to change, change my movie mind. Welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick. And we're here to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, or 2, or however you want to say it. Either way, the chainsaw's put together, and I just learned that this movie has a weird connection to The Breakfast Club that we're going to talk about in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) This sequel, original sequel, starring Dennis Hopper, Caroline Williams, Bill Johnson, Bill Mosley, Jim Seidel, directed by Toby Hooper again. This one was released in 1986 on a $4.5 million budget by Golan and Globus. So we've done several of their things in the oeuvre here on Filmstrip. Only made $8 million at the box office, but was considered a cult, has, has gained a real cult status through the years. And we'll talk about it here, but, you know, horror had gotten big in the 80s. And, and you know, through all the franchises that we named up last time. And you had Halloween, really, really Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street were carrying that. And then a couple years before Hellraiser started doing it. And so the rights to this movie had bounced around. They were going to do something and Golden and Globus got a hold of it and they wanted to do a horror movie because they were known for their action movies, their ninja movies and shit like that. They wanted to do a horror movie and Toby Hooper's like, well, I mean, he, he's the original, uh, Rob Zombie. You know, if you're going to ruin my creation, let me come do it for you. And, and he and Kit Carson concocted this as a dark comedy. And uh, we talked about the, you know, how much of the last one had a lot of humor in it anyway. Mm-hmm. And this one definitely steers hard into that that uh, lane, Nick. Yeah, you can just tell from the opening scene that this is not the same movie. No. Not the same aesthetic. I mean, can you name any other sequels that are just so different than their first one that just went completely different direction? Because you can sit there and, like, that first one's Grindhouse. That's a Grindhouse movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie is 80s cheese excess you know whatever you want to call it it's almost like if you would look at return of the living dead as a sequel to night of the living dead yeah. just how it went from grindhouse black and white grungy to like kind of like this yeah it's very done, much a, done better not to kind of like you know yeah, raise my hand here but uh well horror comedies had gotten big in the 80s though too we guys have like gremlins and fright night and you know those kind of movies and terrorvision terrorvision yes thank you very much in the in the archives this is one of your first episodes by the way so one of my best yeah so that, that you, go back and listen to that folks if for nothing more than to hear nick's plot summary from the point of the monster in that it's gold podcast gold 
It was my first and last plot summary. I don't know why. It wasn't like, your last one. You did those alien ones too. Okay, but sure, anyway, sure, so, so, but it's been, it's been like a decade. Yeah, Cut me some slack. Yeah, we've been on the show a long time. But this, this one though, again, very different, uh, completely. And I, I remember seeing this in the video store for years, and I didn't watch it until like the mid two thousands when I did a marathon of these because I always looked at the the poster of which the main poster or the box art is what I would have called it at the time and it's you've got this corpse laying on the ground these people just kind of propped up Leatherface has got his fist in the air and I'm going this looks like a joke I'm not watching this and now you tell me this time you blew my mind with this right before we started recording yeah it's the Breakfast Club poster just done with the characters from Texas Chainsaw Massacre I'm just like shocked I, you didn't know that like I, it's so obvious of all the things I know about the Breakfast Club I know nothing about the way the poster looked I really don't oh that's a classic poster I mean come Come on, you got, you know, Judge, uh, was it Judge Judd, Ryan? Judd Nelson. Yeah, so, Judd Nelson in the back. Yeah, with not the, Judge, Judge Ryan Old. They were yeah, different persons. Whatever it is. <laughs> different I, yuppie from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, they're all the same. So, well, so. they were both in St. Almost Fire. We talked about that. Oh, so. God, we did talk about that movie, didn't we? <laughs> that was your idea, too. So. But, yeah, th- I mean, this this is an interesting way of doing this because, again, you've got Golan and Globus, which are, I mean, go watch... Um, the the documentary that was about them, Electric Boogaloo. I mean, it's it's a fantastic story, and Ron's told a lot of. He's written a lot about it on Den of Geek. You should check that out. And their movies have a they have an audience. People love them. I I love them for what they are. It's just the kitsch. But when they try to do things that are outside of their wheelhouse, and by that I mean action, it always goes hilariously bad. Like they do the dance movies with the breaking movies that, and, and those movies are fun, but they're fun because they're awful. And then you get this movie, which is just bug nuts crazy. And again, I didn't see this until, you know, about maybe 10, 12 years ago and had no idea what it was about. I had heard like it was a more comedic take, but you know, Newsflash, I'm not a huge Dennis Hopper fan. It's nothing against him. I think he's one of our finest actors, but I just never dug his thing. And 80s Dennis Hopper is a level of coked out that like, I don't even know that I can explain to people if you haven't seen this movie. Yeah, and even kind of when we're talking about like the whole sequel thing, I guess this is kind of reminded me a little bit of the Evil Dead series. Have you ever seen the first and second yes. movie there? Yeah, good point. How it completely went from Grindhouse to, uh, you know, horror comedy or whatever here. But, um. Sam yeah. Raimi's always had a, had a, like a tongue in cheek approach to everything. Though. He so, has, yeah, yeah, definitely has. But yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, you're talking about the first time you've seen it. I just saw it the other day. Wow. I have never seen this movie before. But you knew the poster was from the Breakfast Club. <laughs> I saw it at the, uh, I mean, I, I, I was a child that hung out a lot at the, uh, you know, the Mon Pop, you know, video rental Finally, com- I've said for years that you are the Randall from Clerks on the film strip, and now I have proof. <laughs> I just, I just, those are like my fond childhood memories was like just going over to do a gem photo. That was what it was yeah. called. It was a video and a film development place and... Yeah, I remember uh, going there as a kid and just going and walking around and looking at like all the, you know, the weird VHS stuff. Because you would have like genre sections mm-hmm. you know, for the younger yeah. audiences there. You'd have your new releases that would be all on the wall. And then you'd have like your little genre section. You have your suspense, you have your drama, you have your thriller, you have your horror, you have your sci-fi. And then way in the back, you had a curtain, which you weren't allowed to go to unless you were over 18. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, just kind of the way those were done. And I remember I always used to go to the horror section because... Again, a really cool thing to do. Google like '80s VHS horror covers yeah. or slips or whatever you want to call it. They, they were they were works of art back then. They don't do yes. movie stuff like they did back then. And um, this was one I always used to see. And like I said, I always kind of knew the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I never saw it. But I remember I did see a little clip of it. 
on TV or maybe like during one of those like like free HBO weekends, if you remember that, Jay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember like Dennis Hopper going into like a chainsaw store and having like chainsaws <laughs> everywhere. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, and that, that's the only yeah. thing I remember was that that was a little scene. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. uh, I, it was a hard movie to find, believe it or not. I had to, we had to get it on Apple iTunes. It's the only place available to rent it legally. And, uh, yeah, watched mm-hmm. it, uh, Took me a couple times to get through, but we'll get to it. But um, yeah, 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 just saw it. Well, like I say I I had seen it once before, and then had heard a lot of people talking about it because I think it's film. Or I, I wanted to make a distinction: there's film Twitter, and then there's movie Twitter. And I tend to hang out more in movie Twitter because it's the fun part of that. But anyway, I think movie Twitter has has given this thing a different life and more of a. There's a thing. There's there's a phenomenon of like going back and reappreciating things that maybe got panned at one time for what they are. And eh, you know, I, I'm neither here nor there on that. You, you like what you like, or you don't like it. I, 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 Jay, I, I just it strikes me a lot of times when people like to like elevate things that you don't think need to be elevated. It's kind of like Five Guys Burgers. <laughs> like if you ever hear like people talk about like Five Guys, you know, before you ever go there, they sit there like, oh, it's the best hamburger you can get. It's great, whatever. And you go there and you're like, that's it. It's actually just a lot of fries. Yeah, just like <laughs> it's, it's not bad, but I, I've had better before, you know. And it's Certainly just it's, for the price. Too, yeah, it's so, just yeah. one of those things. I think people just like people almost. It's like a snowball effect. I yeah. think like you get a couple people that really really like it, Absolutely. and then other people are like, ooh, maybe I missed something, and they're just kind of wanting to be part of the crowd. I, again, I'm not trying to like show my hand here, but I kind of feel like this is kind of one of those. Well, you know, you had mentioned that are there other horror sequels that just go completely different? And I thought of two that, that did it, two big franchises that did this. Friday the 13th did this with part five, the new beginning, mm-hmm. uh, which I've heard dubbed as like the bad direction, the, the wrong idea, you know, and that movie is, is, bad but so good so bad it's good you know in a way for me you can hear ron and that review way back in but it's not a good friday the 13th movie because it doesn't have jason it's it's a it's a whole different story they just replaced the character and yeah. the other one i would say is halloween 3 which just has nothing to do with anything in that series well halloween i feel like they kind of reinvent i wouldn't say like go a completely different genre but there's many different feels in that franchise from like yeah. five well they were trying to go in a different yeah. direction they just picked the wrong way to do it because that movie that movie's actually i like that movie it, because it, it owes itself so much to something like invasion of the body snatchers from the 50s which i love i still think i should have been on the halloween noir's perspective because <laughs> I, we would have some very interesting conversations because i really only appreciate a handful of those but um yeah. anyways um but for me uh, i mean definitely when you look at like completely different genres i mean or Subgenres being interjected into it. I mean, Aliens is probably one where it went from you know sci-fi horror to sci-fi horror action, yeah, action or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and then Evil Dead, like I brought up before, mm-hmm. where you know it went from basically a grindhouse that you can watch it again, kind of like the first Texas Chainsaw, and kind of see some comedic elements that maybe were unintended or intended, depending mm-hmm. on when you ask the director. But then the sequel goes completely like you know balls to the wall crazy and stuff yeah. like that. But I think. Evil Dead 2 would probably be the movie I've seen that is most comparable to this. I, I, th- I think you're right. That's a good comparison. And j- just to circle back on Aliens real quick, that whole film series is a whole set of genre. You've got you know, Haunted House in Space with the first one. It's a horror movie. Then you've got an action movie. It's a war movie. The second movie. And then the third movie, you've got a drama. right? And then the fourth movie, you've got a horror comedy. And then the fifth and the sixth movies, if you count AVP and AVPRs, I don't. You, you got the, well, I do. And you, you've, got the, you've got the splatter movies. And then you've got the, the Ridley movies, which are like the elevated horror uh, movies. And, you know, the, and then you've got the action horror return, which is requel whatever we want to call those nowadays with Covenant and who knows if they'll ever make another one 
you know, at this point. I right? have forgotten Covenant even exists, to be <laughs> honest with you. Until you just said that, I'm like, oh my god, there was one after Prometheus. It's funny you mentioned that, though, because this movie to me, because I, I had seen it before, but I remembered almost nothing about it. Unlike the last one, where we talked about, like, I, I saw it once, and I felt like I just, I could have just told you about it without even rewatching it. And this one, I, I feel like this movie is like a Mission Impossible tape. It self-destructs as you watch it. Like, you just don't, I don't, none of it lands in my head. And it's not that it's bad, I'm not saying that. It's just something about this is happening in front of me, and I realize the absurdity of it means I'm not taking any of it seriously, so I don't remember any of it. It kind of has a... Also, kind of bring up sequels, so it kind of almost has a Hills Have Eyes 2 vibe to it. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, where it's just kind of... It's just strange. But anyway, why don't you talk about uh, kind of how it self-destructs <laughs> as it goes through there, Jay? Yeah, okay, so uh, I got so many things to talk about with this plot. So much like the last one, I'm not going to go through like a point by point, because the plot is pretty darn simple in this one, even though it is insanely absurd. I'm actually really curious as to what the plot is, because I don't so know what it is. there's these two guys. Wikipedia will tell you they're high school students. They're not. They're the yuppies in college, because they're really rich. <laughs> but they're they're driving to the OU Texas football game, which is a huge deal uh, for for everyone involved. And they call into a radio station in pure uh, uh, yuppie style to talk to a disc jockey wannabe journalist named Stretch. And for some reason, Stretch's radio station, the phone only works one way. She doesn't have a dump button, which means she can't drop the call. So they're on the call the whole way as they almost run a truck off the road who catches up to them later. And we find out Leatherface... And a new character named Chop Top, who's the brother of the hitchhiker, so they had another brother uh, in in there, and the dad, Drayton Sawyer, are driving the truck, and they attack, and she catches all of this on the radio, and it's played, you know, it's part of the investigation. It becomes like this big you know, viral moment for 1986. And one of the people that hears it is the uncle of Sally and Franklin Hardesty from the first movie, an ex-Texas lawman played by Dennis Hopper named Lefty. I don't know why he's Lefty. Because he does everything with his right hand. We'll get there. But he's on a mission. He's been on a mission for 12 years to find this murderous group. And so he goes and buys a bunch of chainsaws instead of buying guns. Because I would imagine there's more guns in Texas than chainsaws. But okay. Uh, so he he's on one trail. And the Sawyer family, as we find out, have not only abandoned their old uh, homestead. But they have become award-winning barbecuist around the state of Texas and doing their special brand of barbecue. They're winning awards. They're making money and they are living at an old abandoned amusement park where they have their whole macabre set up again. So they hear about the radio call and they go to the radio station and take out Stretch's producer and kidnap her. And well, they kidnap her because Leatherface is supposed to kill her, but she kind of teases him or maybe not. I don't know. He looks like he's having a moment with her. We'll get there. But they end up taking her back to the park and Lefty's following the whole way. So in the end, Lefty goes chainsaw to chainsaw with Leatherface. He ends up cutting Drayton Sawyer uh, at pretty pretty badly, who grabs a grenade off of the corpse of uh, the old hitchhiker. And when Grandpa misses the throw with the hammer that hits Leatherface, he's already been impaled with one chainsaw, it sets their grenade off, which blows up the whole smash. But Stretch and Chop Top are still going at each other. They race to the top of, I think, what is like a roller coaster mountain or something? I don't know. But they get into a fight, and at the top of that is Grandma's corpse with a chainsaw in her lap. So Stretch gets the chainsaw, cuts up Chop Top, he falls to his death, and Stretch does a dance for the ages on top of this mountain of insanity. And that is the plot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. 
Very strange, very strange, very strange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. I mean, the the opening bit and, and I think I think you know this is comedy for sure. And what Toby Hooper, if we were talking about last time, was people hanging on to the past in a town that progress was passing by, right? This time he's definitely taking a big jab at the stuff that we made fun of in St. Elmo's Fire, the yuppie culture. Because these two dudes driving this Mercedes to this ball game are shooting guns. They're drinking in the car. It's the typical, like, uh, rednecks with money, Texas situation going to a football game. How more American can you get? Or at least American stereotype can you get than this? They got a car phone. They're listening to their jamming tunes. And they're not paying attention to the road. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, was that guy supposed to be Ducky? I don't know. It was a good one. He could he could have could have. I mean, I look at the, I look at, I look at the yeah. uh, circle glasses, which are you know mm-hmm. very aesthetic of the '80s and everything. And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so hokey with the way the guys are acting. And you know, I guess it's Texas. They're shooting signs with the gun and stuff. And apparently, they're really good at shooting that, but they're not shooting good at people sitting right next to them. But um, yeah, right. Yeah, but um, I just find it funny because it's like you know they're they're calling into the radio station and then. I don't know what that engine in that truck is, man, but he can sure keep up with a car going in reverse on a bridge. I mean, that, yeah, I, I'm sitting there looking. I was like, okay, that's definitely a 350, you know, Hemi. And that, that Mercedes has got a decent engine. That's at least a straight six. So that, uh, yeah, the chase on the bridge is insane because when we first see Leatherface and it's a new person, Bill Johnson replaces Gutter Hansen. And he's, Similar build, but a little different. He's a little taller, I think, but he's just got a different look, but he's playing a different character. He look, feels soft, like he looks softer. He's I, I much know. more Stay Puft Marshmallow, I agree. But when you first see him, you see this dancing corpse situation going on. We'll find out. They've just kept the old hitchhiker's body around, yep. which that is one of the most hilarious props I've seen in a movie in a long time. <laughs> they just drag this mannequin thing, which we should say, uh, Toby Hooper came back for this. You know, did, did all of his, he didn't do any of his, his fancy tricks that he had last time, but he's got a different, um, cinematographer, but he got Tom Savini, who's big makeup effects guy, you know, horror legend at this point. And he got Savini to do all the makeup stuff for this. And they clearly are like, well, we're going to, we're going to do this as a complete farce. And it, it doesn't have to make sense because it's all going to be about you know, getting people from action point to action point. But that chase on the bridge, there's just so many things about it that I can sit here and nitpick to death, particularly the part that they're on the phone with the radio station and Stretch is telling them, like, you got to hang up. You're hanging up the line. I'm like, every radio station has the dump button. Like, like you even see the engineer, like, pulling wires out for no reason, LG. And I'm like... What is he, what is he disconnecting headphones for? Like that, you can drop a call. It was, but if you just let it ride for that, it's the hilarious inciting incident is when Leatherface cuts apart the, you know, ragtop and then cuts that guy's head in half and he's still driving. Yeah. I mean, didn't she kind of say in the movie that she wanted to be a reporter and everything? Yes. She wants to be a reporter, but she's working as a DJ, which as someone who worked in communications, you should start wherever you can. So I get it. Yeah. But to me, it's like, I think it would have been better if she would have been like, you know, maybe the guy's trying to dump the call and she's like, don't, 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 you know, let's get this on here because something's going on. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of, you know, be like, I'm a reporter. I want to be able to get the evidence. I want to, because Mm -hmm. that's what reporters are supposed to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting setup on this bridge and stuff. I, I was actually, I'm not sure if you ever seen some of the deleted scenes for this, but there's no. also another deleted, there's a deleted scene, I think, for the beginning of this where 
because you know they're talking about they're going to this football game. Mm-hmm. I get. I think what it was was Leatherface actually runs into the football team and he actually massacres the entire football team <laughs> with a chainsaw. Which actually, for I guess for a movie with called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, would be nice mm-hmm. if he killed more people with chainsaws. Oh, he kills a lot of people with chainsaws in this movie, though. I think he could still kill some more. I mean, he they kills you know Robert Downey Jr. looking guy or whatever. And Ducky, and yeah, and Ducky sounds... with it, and then you got of course you get the little blood squirts, you know, with the little tubes coming. Oh out, yeah, which, is, which is, is totally eighties. Well, it's to- total Tom Savini though, and this was this one I realized I was like, oh, this is a completely different kind of movie, but because it's so farcical, I, I do. Say again, like I, I'm having to remember this because I, you had to write down a lot of notes about it because it's not like I have pictures of this in my head. Unlike the last one, which was so evocative the way it looked. Yeah. This one is, well, it's just different. And, and unlike, you know, Return of the Living Dead or Evil Dead 2, which there's memorable pieces of that. Like I can remember scenes from those movies right now, you know, and haven't seen them in years. But this one, there's something about it that it, I think it's because it's juxtaposed to having just watched the first one again recently that it's mm-hmm. just such a left turn. But I have to remind myself too, like it had been 12 years and home video had just become a thing. So I wonder how many people really remembered Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Obviously, Golden and Globus did because they wanted to cash in on it. But you wonder how many people in the audience maybe went to see this and were confused by it. I don't know if people would have had the memory recall like we do now with it. They may not have, and you know, like, you know, the video market really wasn't, you know, a big thing back at that time when this movie came out. It was just coming, you know, block, I don't even think Blockbuster was around at that time, or at least it wasn't what it was in the 90s. But I, it, the, the name had cachet, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, this is coming from someone who really was, I don't even think I was in grade school during this time. I think you were graduating from college. So no, no, I wasn't. I was, I was in grade school too. So, but yeah, same, same diff. I mean, it's, it is a very different time, but it's, it's in again, it's in that sweet spot of horrors before horror completely hits the, you know, the gut. Well, I, but like I was saying though, I think the name Texas Chainsaw Massacre was something yeah. that people knew. Yeah. You know, whether they knew the first one or remembered it, they mm-hmm. still remembered that name. So. Yeah. Not as well, you know, looking yeah. at the block box office. But it still I, made money. I mean, it made it money, but but it was different. But we talked about they they you know they replaced Leatherface. They bring back Jim Sidow again as as Drayton Sawyer as the the you know head of the clan. And I kind of dug him. He was he's just really hamming it up in this movie, and mm-hmm. he clearly knew what kind of movie he was in. But the person who really knew what they were in is Bill Mosley. That was a golden moment to cast him as this. And apparently, he got the role because he did some sort of a bit. As the hitchhiker from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it got in the hands of Toby Hooper and Kim Hinkle, the writers, and they're like, "Oh, we got to have this guy." And I mean, horror legend now. He's been in a lot of stuff. Rob Zombie loves him, and mm. you can see why. I mean, the dude just—he clearly knows what kind of movie he's in, and he is the best part of this thing, completely. Oh, by far, by far. I mean, and, and Dennis Hopper's not bad either. I, mm-hmm. And I think both of their introductions, like their proper introductions in the movie, are, are, are pretty good. Like I said, with you know Dennis Hopper and. You know, his whole, like, oh, I'm the uncle. I mean, you got to get that little family relationship there. But I think even mm-hmm. with uh, Chop Top, uh, what was kind of cool with him is, like, when he first meets Stretch, how he's taking that coat hanger and he's taking the lighter to heat it up and then he's, like, scratching his head or something like that. I thought that yeah. was kind of a – I could totally see him being the one that's like, I should do this. I should do this with a metal plate. I'm oh, scratching yeah. my head right here because, you know, I yeah. got the scab and it feels good to do that, you know, something like that. And I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, thing but a very, very memorable, like – you know, I, I get it. I've only seen this movie, you know, just recently. But I think if, you know, ask me in a year what I remember, it's going to be that scene with uh, Chop, 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 Chop and the uh, the lighter. So. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, everything he's doing in there is 
intentional. You can tell. Like, this is someone that I don't think that character was written that way. I think he made that a thing just by being, you know, off kilter kind of guy. I mean, he just sort of just has a different sense of humor and clearly he knew what kind of movie he was in. Um, I don't know that Dennis Hopper knew where he was in this. <laughs> oh no, he was coked out of his mind. Oh, he, yeah, this he, was the eighties. Yeah. So he probably even know what movie he was making. He's like, show up here and be a cop. All right, cool. And then he probably thought it was going to be something like, you know, Carlito's way or some shit like that. And then also it's like, nah, Texas chainsaw. You're not going to have guns. You're going to have chainsaws. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Can we talk about him? Like his whole thing? Cause we do get an opening crawl again. It's not John Larroquette. I forget who voices this time. It's, I don't think it's anybody of note, uh, at least that I remember, but we find out that like, the the family abandoned the farmhouse and that they never found the bodies of of Franklin but Sally you know got in the hospital gave a statement and then went catatonic and so she's you know she's off over here and so we don't know what happens and but there's been all these strange chainsaw murders around the state and nobody knows and it's they're still setting into that mystery and I thought well, I, I guess if you're going to try to pay homage to the original thing and you want to follow it up, you need to pay into that. You need to tell people where they're going, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But holy cow, the the other thing is when we meet the Sawyers and they're at the big barbecue festival and they're winning the award or whatever, mm-hmm. that was hilarious. Because that, I mean, what you realize is like these people are praising this award-winning barbecue, but they don't realize they're eating people. Like, that's the joke. Soiling green, man. It's people, right? So. <laughs> yeah. It looks a lot tastier than soiling green. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, like I said, this, everything right now is, it's, it's, it's funny. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's meant to be funny, which is, again, I, I think for me, because I saw these movies so close together, that, that's the part I'm having trouble with right now is just the complete U-turn that the franchise has done right now with, you know, kind of being more comical and funny. I mean, mm-hmm. everything is just, like I said, just kind of turned up to 11 as far yeah. as how everybody's acting and stuff, which is good. You know, I'm glad to see that a lot of them really knew what type of movie they were in and, you know, not, kind of, not like Dennis Hopper doesn't know where he is, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just definitely a different feel right now. Yeah, but the thing is, though, the movie, for everybody knowing what they're doing, and we got to give Caroline Williams some, some credit here, too. This is an actress who's worked for, for decades. I thought it was Laura Metcalf at first. Laura Metcalf. You yeah. thought it was, yeah, Roseanne's sister on the show. They got, they got a similar look. You it's the haircut. It. It's, it's That's all it is. But she is she has a very interesting arc in this film, if there is such a thing as an arc in this. Because, she again, she's this would-be reporter or whatever, She's got this funky nickname that they never bother to explain. I guess it's, you said probably because she's kind of tall or whatever. But she runs around in like, you know, Daisy Dukes the whole movie because, yes, that's what you do, uh, I guess, because it's hot in Texas. And we're just going to go with that. And there are several scenes where I'm not really sure that they wanted to go whole hog the way they were going with it. And particularly when they attack the radio station. And Leatherface goes after her, and she's sitting there, like, her back's against the wall, her legs are spread, and he's got that chainsaw, like, right at her. And I'm like, at one point, like, the way he's sort of, you know, bouncing around, it's like, is Leatherface, like, getting turned on and, like, going to try to screw this chick with this chainsaw? Because that's, like, it's funny because it's supposed to be funny, but it's also kind of horrific and weird. And I've yeah. seen I've seen people, you know, write that, like, oh, she's, she's using her you know, femininity to tame him. And I'm like, I don't think that's what's happening here. I think she was just freaking out, ready to die. Yeah, I'm taking it more or less as kind of a commentary on, like, gun culture in Texas, you know, and, like, instead of being guns, it's, it's you know, chainsaws in this. I mean, when you see Dennis Hopper go to the chainsaw store, which... 
I've been to Harbor. If you have two like metaphors that. for the penis, though, I think we're losing the message. Yeah, but I, but I think that's <laughs> what it is, though. Is I think it's kind of like how a lot of people see like guns are you know a phallic thing, and that's mm-hmm. how some people will see as an extension of that. And I think in a way, it's kind of like, well, we're going to say that, but with chainsaws as opposed to gun because it's Texas chainsaw, mm-hmm. and that's the whole thing. I mean, you, you can't take it any other way. The chainsaw is dick. Is that yeah. is that that's how we that that that's how we see it. That's what he it's his tool, mm-hmm. and that's what it was because. Yeah, and that's just yeah. It's it's very strange because even after he did, like he's sitting there with a the chainsaw and everything, like he's totally doing like phallic stuff with it. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, and you got to think too that the chainsaw in the first movie was just like a real chainsaw. It's like it's just a standard issue chainsaw. You yeah, know? you got but like two feet long ones. The, the, the one, the one, this one he's got is like what you see on like ESPN two, and they don't have any other sports to show. It's like the lumberjack competitions, which are fun to watch by the way. But there's those huge long blades, you know, and stuff. And I'm like. Like all the chainsaws in this movie, it, instead of gun porn, it's chainsaw porn. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when when Lefty's in the chainsaw store, which I guess is supposed to be the gun store, you know, metaphor or whatever, but it, yeah. there's all these different sizes, and he's got two holsters. He's got the big one too, but yeah, Leatherface attacks with the big tool. And in so. w- what year did this come out? This came out in 1986, so it was made in 85. So, so yeah, I mean, right during that time, I mean, you you had the you had the gun movies and everything. You know, mm-hmm. you had Rambo. I don't think Commando had come out yet, but mm-hmm. it, it was something that was definitely in the cinema at the time. It was the larger than life guys with you know never reload and got all these guns and going to take out the bad guys. And it's the same thing, but I think that's kind of what they're trying to play on here is like, instead of it being like Arnold with this armed and guns everywhere, it's going to be these guys who got chainsaws everywhere. Yeah. And, and people talk about like, Oh yeah, that's a total Golden Globus thing. It should be noted. They did, they hated this. Like when they would see the dailies on this, they were like frightened. They were like, this is no, no, we wanted you to make a horror movie. And somehow Toby Hooper was able to like satiate them enough with what he would tell them versus what actually got edited and cut. Well, I, I have to ask you though, did he say a reason why he went in this direction at all? Cause it just seems very weird that you have a movie that you're known for mm-hmm. and you know, and then you're going to come back and then you go take it in a completely different direction. Is, is he, he, has he said why? He was going to produce it initially, but he couldn't find a director that would work on the budget that they had. So he's like, well, okay, fine. I'll do it. But he, his entire thing was he wanted to make it a comedy because he didn't feel like there was anything left to do on the horror side that wouldn't be aping what was going on at the time, which was Friday the 13th. Uh, I think Nightmare on Elm Street was in its hay run. It's before Halloween, you know, got back into the game. But it, it was all the other horror movies that were happening at the time. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel like there was anything else that he could do that was that wouldn't just be exploitative. So he said, "Well, if we're going to be exploitative, let's be dark comedy." You know, and so that that was what he wanted to do. And then, like again, Canon and Gola de Globus were like, "No, this is not what we you know we were signed up for." But apparently, he was able to to get it by him because. You know, if you've been around and know anything about the, the canon films, they weren't exactly had their hands on the switch sometimes. So they, they weren't totally in control of what's going on. But yeah, that's why he decided to do it. And it's, it's also why they didn't get Gunnar Hansen back. They wanted to pay him scale. And you know, they, I mean, they, they went relatively cheap. Four and a half million dollars is not a lot of money for a movie like this. And, 1986. And it was always his intention to go comedy because he didn't feel like there was anything else to do horrifically. I mean, it's almost kind of getting me kind of like a Wes Craven feel when he came back and he did, uh, what was that awful one that late? The one that he did where Freddy came into the real world New Nightmare? or something where the it's met, like, the yeah. meta. Uh, yeah, yeah like I gotta, I gotta go. Proto screen? Yeah, I gotta go do something completely different here or something like that, like reinvent the wheel. 
I don't. It'd it's, be more like Shocker for Wes Craven. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying within within the same franchise. Just yeah. How, if you watch that first Nightmare on Elm Street and then watch that one, it's just like what? What? Like this is completely feels completely different. Well, it's supposed to. Be, it's, it's supposed to be that there was a movie and then this is the real world. That's the joke of New Nightmare. It sucked. I don't know. <laughs> so. Well, it's been, again, that one's in the archives. You can listen to Brian and I talk about that one. But uh, it's got its moments, but it's, it's, it's just as batshit crazy as this movie is. That's for sure. Oh, totally. And, and yeah, but that's the thing here is you get that big opening kill. You get Lefty investigating the kill. And I love Dennis Hopper because Dennis Hopper can really only do like two things at this point acting-wise. Just be really intense and earnest like a, like a preacher or something, like an Ernest Ainsley type or whatever. I got a real laugh out of that because going yeah. up in the South, I, I knew that archetype. I gotta bring it up again though. Another sequel that changed. Gremlins 2. Okay, That's the yes. one I've been thinking about. It's been a tip of my talk. That is exactly right, because Joe Dante did the same thing. Yep. There's nothing else to do horrifically here. We're gonna go with the, we're gonna make a commercialism, uh, exploitation movie because that's the only reason this movie is getting made anyway. Yep. And Toby Hooper felt the same way about this one. It's like, the only reason they're doing this is because they know it'll cash right now or they think it will. And it did. I mean, it made money so it it, it had, a, had a following even though it got panned. But horror movies never get anything by credit. It's only recently that people think, oh, horror movies are cool in critic circles and stuff. Like, they, you know, Ebert was always going to dump on this. Um, the, even though I'll say some of his criticism is not entirely unwarranted, this movie's incredibly uneven and it's kind of flat. Well, it's not only that, but like the, some of the dialogue. Oh, it's horrendous. Yeah. I like, I'm like, did, what did she say? Like, there's like a scene later in the movie where like he's chasing her with a chainsaw and then she's like, all right, I, I can't do this anymore. And like, but I'm just like, what? Like, I kind of felt like that was the actress saying, I need a break. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like if anybody, if like, if you ever text somebody, you got like that predictive text on your phone. Yeah. It's like typing a word and then keep on clicking the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. That's like how they wrote this script if it would have been like today where it's just like, it's all predictive text that makes no sense. I, I can only think because it is Toby Hooper and it's his friend Kim Hinkle. There was a lot of weed involved. Oh, no, I think there was a lot of coke involved in this. I don't because, think they were coke guys. I think they were definitely weed guys. Like I don't, I don't think Toby and his his crew. Now Dennis Hopper was a coke guy, but I, I've smoked weed before. <laughs> I've never sat there and did like anything like this. Well, like, it can make you paranoid too. I mean, you know, there, there's but, two reactions. But even like, Toby, Toby, Toby of, was just cool. You know? But even towards like the end of the movie, like where the grandpa's like doing like his monologue about the grenade and stuff, I'm like, none of this makes any sense. Of, like what he's saying. The Drayton, yeah, yeah. What he, <laughs> well, we, okay. I dropped it before too. I did. I did get genuine chuckles every time they drag out. They call him Nubbins, the uh, the the corpse of the. Uh, it's like a ventriloquist dummy in this movie. Yes, and, so, and they each take time wearing him. Like Chop Top will wear him sometimes, like on his back, like C three PO in Empire Strikes Back, which I think that's exactly what Toby Hooper's riffing. And then Leatherface will wear him as like a facade in the front, and then he'll come out with the chainsaw behind it, like it's a a vaudeville act. Yeah, they're just involving their dead brother. You know, it's yeah, right. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is like I think they still act like he's alive or whatever. But they keep they put a feeding tube in his mouth. Yeah, I think it's just like part of their psychosis or whatever. It's like they don't really like like understand death in a way like the way normal people are because they're completely insane. Now this movie does lean heavy into the gore because you got Tom Savini, so you're going to do that. And, and I think the first big scene of that that you get, besides the brain cut in the in the opening thing when he kills Buzz and I think Eric's the other kid's name, is the radio station when they they you know uh, Chop Top beats LG with a hammer like several times. He's the producer, or the the engineer for Stretch at the radio station, and then they start you know Leatherface comes in with 
with a, uh, it's not even a chainsaw. It's one of those electric knives that like you cut a ham with, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's just sawing off his like, you know, leg meat and he's sawing off his skin and he saws off part of his face and he wears part of the face or he puts the face on stretch. And uh, that was, I mean, it was pretty gross, you know? And then when he comes back to life and kind of frees her temporarily or whatever, and she still, she tries to put his face back on him when he dies. That was pretty like gnarly looking stuff. Yeah. Definitely some weird scenes in here and everything <laughs> like that, but uh, definitely, uh, yeah. I just it's it's just funny with like Leatherface as far as like how he treats the masks and the people's face and everything. So, you know, like I said you can obviously tell he's you know he's special so mm-hmm. to speak, and you know it's just kind of his way of I think it was his way of flirting with her. You know, mm-hmm. now, I'm going to ask you with this. You know, with, with Stretch being the lead, leading lady, would you have been would you have rather seen Sally come back from the first one to take you know take on this family? a la Ripley, or are you glad it went in a different direction with different characters who are loosely tied? No, I like the idea that they wrote her out as someone who had a complete mental breakdown because of this. Because that, I mean, that's what's happening at the end of that first movie. And I, I sort of appreciated that. I don't, I don't think I wanted her to come back. I would have been good if nobody came back except the, the obviously the cannibal family. Because you, that's what you do in a horror movie. You bring back a different set of people. You know, if you bring people one sequel to the next, they usually get killed pretty quick. You know, Nightmare and Halloween both did that. You know, mm-hmm. Friday 13th did that. Uh, so it's, it's rare to have people continue anyway. So no, I didn't need her to come back. I didn't, I didn't think the Sally character was this Ripley type character or Laurie Strode or any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not missing her either here. I'm glad that they went in a different direction, but I'm just so surprised by the direction that they went into. And even like, you know, when, uh, you know, now we have like Dennis Hopper. I mean, I brought up before like this chainsaw store, which is something that was just ingrained in my head just because I saw mm-hmm. that bit when I was a kid. And then him, you know, tracking them down to the, um, you know, to, to the, uh, to the abandoned theme park and everything. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just it's just interesting the next stuff that happens. Well, when when everything. we do talk about their later, how does he not have a gun? Is what I'm getting at here. I'm trying to <laughs> politely say that is like I'm trying to like segue into that. I'm like, how does a Texas lawman not bring a freaking gun? And I again, I get it. Like they're trying to have fun. It's phallic. It's also commentary mm-hmm. on gun culture. But it's like. You could have ended this just with a freaking six, uh, six shot. You well, know? yeah, you could have got the gun from the kid that you didn't hit anything with. I, I took it as this, just from a character motivation, is that obviously Lefty is completely unhinged, you know, at some point. So he's like, the only way to fight fire is with fire. And so he's going to go take out the chainsaw murders with a chainsaw. I mean, I think that's the narrative reason why. It's ridiculous, but it is kind of funny. It leads into the humor as to why that, that works. Did Rob Zombie borrow this for the, um, the sequel, The House of a Thousand Corpses. Probably. Where, remember, uh, what's his name? The, uh, Captain the, Satan? No, the, uh, the, 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 the brother of the cop going after them. Yes. Yeah, you remember when he brings in like, the, uh, the unholy duel, Diamond Dow's page. Yes, <laughs> no, I you know, I can totally be, Rob Zombie borrows lots of things from Texas Chainsaw Massacres. It won't be the last time I mention that, by the way. Uh, when we get to those prequels, we'll, we'll get into that again, because he could be sued, uh, I think, for the way that that got done. But anyway. It's always funny what's considered to be plagiarism, what's considered to be an homage. I mean, in Hollywood, it's a pretty much always plagiarism at this point. So, I mean, <laughs> Just to be honest, but no matter what studio you're working out of. But in this case, the thing that is so different is you remember that last movie, it was all shot in the daylight, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about like all the starkness of it. It was done for horrific effect, all the bone sculptures and, you know, taxidermies and all that kind of stuff. And this movie though, when they're in that carnival place, there's the same setup. They got bones hanging everywhere. They got furniture, all this stuff. 
But there's all these neon carnival lights, and it's like this completely sort of goofy funhouse feel to it. It's like they le- like they got a little money, and they kind of leaned into the oh, we'll just use the lights in the funhouse here, and it's it's ridiculous. Well, I think it's because the movie is kind of just like a funhouse in a way. It is you a funhouse, yeah. Yeah, it's like you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what door you're going to go mm-hmm. through. I mean, it's it's silly. It's silly like a funhouse. It's not even like a spook house. It is. It's just a straight up funhouse. Oh, it's a straight spook house though, because it's it's the jokey kind of spook house. Because when when Lefty arrives there and he sees that wall bleeding a little bit and he punches a hole through it, all the guts start pouring out. Because you realize, like, this is where they make the, the special barbecue from the prime meat, but they got to get rid of the, you know, the, the waste, right? And so they just sort of stick it behind this wall because that's what these cannibals would do because you don't let anything go to waste, right? And there's no refrigeration in Texas, as we've already established yeah, from the okay. last movie. <laughs> so, yeah. All these lights, they obviously have an electrical source, but they don't go and buy a chest freezer. Well, I mean, no, nobody's billing them for it either, apparently. Like, you shut down the carnival but you know it's still getting power i mean i don't know i know texas is a big place but obviously if there's a theme park there there's probably people not too far away you, you just don't build that stuff in the middle of nowhere i took i took that completely as like the psycho trope that like the highway went somewhere else so it took everybody away you know? yeah walmart came to town nick and it ruined everything i just i just imagine have you ever seen like the pictures of like the new orleans like six flags after katrina mm-hmm. it's still abandoned it's still yeah so who knows maybe we got some uh, Louisiana Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know. I highly doubt that. But, but yeah, uh, maybe Saints fans. But, uh, you know, that, which is nearly the same. But yeah, th- this whole setup though with the family dynamic is, is different because last time they were all psychotic together. And so when they recreate the dinner scene here, last time that was a torture scene. That is the era essence of torture porn, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that. Even though it doesn't really go that horrific, it's just the setup is stuff is what you think you hear and see. It makes it worse. This one, they're like, well, you know what? We're going to do the Saturday Night Live spoof of that. And it's almost like Samurai Clues Dryer or whatever. It's that kind of joke. And I, I didn't realize that, I think, the first time I saw this movie. Because I'll be honest, I did not like this the first time I watched it. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is so dumb. And so I moved on. Watching it again this time, I'm like, okay, I know what they're trying to do. And yes, the dialogue is horrendous. So there's times in this you can just mute it and you don't even have to listen to what they're saying. You just watch what's going on. But when they recreate that dinner scene, I got to tell you, there's some good comedy in there. Like they, they clearly are like they're doing the same angles and the same people are talking at the right time and stuff, but it's all played for like a huge joke instead of being this, you know, torture scene really going to kill this girl. Yeah, everything at this point's a joke. I mean, even we mm-hmm. got a scene of Dennis Hopper going through the catacombs and he comes apart a skeleton in a wheelchair. And of course, Franklin! It's got to be Franklin from the first one. Yeah. Apparently, the family went and grabbed him before they left and, like, we're bringing this guy with us. I mean, he's a big guy. There was some meat on Franklin. He I just, guess. Yeah, he was just bones when they saw him. Maybe, maybe they harvested him yeah, for some brisket. Oh, I think they definitely did. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's. They fattened him up. So. But, the, but the battery and the flashlight still work. They don't make them like they used to. No, they don't. So. They don't. I don't get anything to last more than six months, but apparently that can last. Years, right? right? So it probably hadn't been on in a while, but even but, then. But, but like, I, I got to laugh though. It, like it, it's so like over the top schmaltzy and stuff. Totally just played for that. Like, oh, Franklin. Franklin, poor Franklin. I know. Yeah. And I, I love how Lefty calls Stretch sister all the time. I don't know why he does that. It's a maybe it's a Dennis Hopper thing. I oh, know. I can totally see it being a Dennis Hopper thing. Being like, yeah. 
you know, after he does a line of coke or two, he's like, I'm going to call her sister throughout the movie. And they're like, why? He goes, that's just my thing. I'm just going to call her sister. I don't think anybody asked that question. You just stated but nobody said why. I thought we were like, yeah, no, he's just talking to himself. I don't, I'm not saying that anybody's talking to him. He's probably just looking in the mirror like, going to call her sister. And he probably asked himself that question. So when he shows up to confront them, though, that is some gold. When the way he goes after Drayton Sawyer and he cuts him right in the ass. And I mean, like, he gets this, you know, Drayton gets this whole monologue like, he took care of my hymns. I don't have to go to the hospital now i mean it's a it's it should be horrific and in mm. another movie in this series that will happen that kind of thing and you'll see all the splatter gore and awful you want to see but in this one man it is a total joke and it, yeah. I, i'm not gonna lie i was laughing man the last 20 minutes of this movie are bonkers and i laughed the whole time oh yeah i think everybody was on drugs at this point because you know it's like Kind of like Star Wars, where it's like, you can't have to duel at the end. Well, they're going to duel with the chainsaw. And they both got, you know, 30-inch blade chainsaws yes. going back and forth and purposely hitting each other with the chainsaw, not even trying to really hit each other at first because you got to have a little bit of a show. And then he's got, like, two smaller chainsaws, like, side well, he impales Leatherface with that one. And he's, like, mm-hmm. straight through him and guts everywhere. Of course, good Tom Savini stuff. And he, but, his chain, but Leatherface is still coming. Yeah. You know, and what's funny is Grandpa's still there. So they got the Grandpa character back, and he he stands up in this movie. I think he can still stand. He's trying to throw that hammer, and he's just as bad at aim with it because he hits Leatherface with it while Lefty's standing there with those two chainsaws, and that sets off an explosion. We got to talk about how the explosion gets set up though, because Drayton's underneath the table, and he grabs. You know, get down here, boy. He grabs the old hitchhiker. He's like, show me where your F-off Charlie is. He needs all these nicknames for the grenade, right? And Which is an homage to the, the actor that had played in the other one had been in Vietnam. So they were you know, doing a little wink and a nod there. But he's still got a live pineapple grenade. And I'm like, boy, that, that lasted after 12 years too? I thought gunpowder like lost its fuse at some point, but I guess not. So. <laughs> yeah, when he throws that hammer and he misses him, I'm like, is that Justin Fields? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, though, I mean, he, he he's standing there and he's going, I'll get the last laugh. And then Leatherface, of course, crashes through the, uh, with his saw through there. He starts, you know, sawing Drayton in half and that's when he drops the grenade and Dennis Hopper's, you know, in full rage mode as he gets blown up. But, yeah, celebrating. The yeah. Strongest grenade in the world, I guess. I yeah. mean, yeah, it blew away everything except Everything above them, which I don't, you are not a demolition expert, but I'm sure you understand this because you've worked in construction. If you blow the lower level out from something, everything above it is coming down. Yeah, they don't have the budget for that. <laughs> yeah, like, so, so she's running up Space Mountain or whatever the hell this is supposed to be and chopped yeah, off. I, I, think it's like, I think it's like Splash Mountain. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But they, they're running to get, or the mountain that they used in the Price is Right game that the little thing with the mountain climber would fall off the end of. But it looked like that's that a, too. That's a deep cut. <laughs> Well, much like this movie. And so uh, you get a great chopped off scene here at the end, though. He breaks out the straight razor again. He keeps calling her this hog bitch. I, I just got to feel like that's a that's a Bill Mosley, like, you come here, hog bitch. You know, he's just coming after her. And he is cutting the hell out of her. But she comes upon this corpse, which if you don't hear his lines, you don't understand what it is. It's this female, obviously old, decrepit female corpse that has a beautiful chainsaw in its lap. So we're, we're to believe that Grandma... Everybody in this this family is a chainsaw murderer except Drayton, mm-hmm. and she's trying to crank that thing while he's you know cutting her you know, limb from limb with that straight razor. And I I didn't get what that was the first time I saw it, like the grandma thing, until I listened to it this time. And he's going, "You killed grandma." I'm like, "I think she's been dead a little while, man." But obviously, in his his world, you're never really dead, right? Yeah, I mean it's. I don't know. This whole, I mean, I guess I'm just finding this whole thing kind of be rather anticlimactic after the whole Hopper 
duel of fates, you know, down there and him running after with a straight razor with her. And, you know, she ends up, yeah, being able to get the better of him and, you know, kicking him down the hill down there. I guess he's supposed to die. I, I mean, I, I took it as that she cuts him, you know, in the middle and then kicks him over the ledge and he falls down this one of those big tubes that is, you know, running trash down the hill or I guess running the guts into the river or whatever that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So you assume he's dead. I guess in case they wanted to come back, they never will. And I'm gonna I'll bring that up later. All but right, okay. but but then you see Stretch do the dance at the end, and I'm like, I mean, if you again having watched these movies back to back pretty close, I'm like, she's doing the the mock of the Gunnar Hansen dance, and I'm like, that's on purpose, right? And mm-hmm. I looked it up, and Toby was like, yeah, I told her to do exactly that, and I'll give it to the actress; she goes for it, man. <laughs> Yeah, she's up there kind of, you know, shaking back and forth with it and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh interesting. <laughs> it's a very weird way to end on that. And then it's just, boom, cut right into the black again. And I'm like, wow, that that happened. And, mm-hmm. I, yeah, this like I said, though, this movie self-erases. Because after you've watched it, it's you're like, well, what did I just see? And I guess that brings us to the point of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So, what are yours for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Ah, uh, for me, again, I'm just going to go with the medium popcorn. It, I enjoyed this one a little bit more than the first one, I have to say, just because it had to have some funny moments here. But I think just the whole, like, changing of the genre as much as they did really was kind of like, it, it was a lot. I mean, I, I had a little bit of whiplash, I could say, <laughs> when it happened to that. But um, definitely, um, I, I probably enjoyed it a little bit more, but still not enough to give it a large popcorn. But one thing I did want to bring up, too, as we talked about Chop Shop, is actually he was, uh, they made a sequel, direct sequel to this movie about him that never came out. I did not know that they made a Chop Shop. Yeah, yeah, and apparently like it's like halfway done or maybe all the way done, but it's something about the rights and whatever, and it was never able to oh, come wait a minute. out. Yeah, this is the thing Toby Hooper's kid was working on. It. Yeah, All-American yeah. Massacre is what it was called. Interesting. So, yeah, it's supposed to take place like 13 years after the first one or after the second one. So I, I don't know. It's just interesting because that's the whole thing I brought up. Like, oh, did he die? Did he not? Apparently he didn't die, but hmm. it's a movie we won't see in, you know, be honest with you with the stills I've seen, I, I don't need to see it. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think there is anything there. Even, I'm gonna, if, it's, even if it's 10 minutes, I don't need to see I'm, it. I'm going to join you in that medium popcorn, but not in like a bad way. I think this movie is a complete cheese fest, and it's supposed to be, though. And in in those moments when it's just being ridiculous is when it's best. It's in the moments in between when people are actually trying to carry on conversations. Mm-hmm. And do stuff that this, it just loses me. Like, I'll be honest, like, you can get up and vacuum and you, you walk the dog, go for a run and come back and just, as long as you pick up the next bit of absurdity, you're fine. Cause there's nothing to know. Like, the last movie was sort of stark and that's what kind of made it work. This one could be a little more stark and it would work better, I think. But it, I like the performers. I particularly like Mosley. I think Caroline Williams is fun in this too. Uh, Dennis Hopper's crazy Dennis Hopper, which is a blast. Cause this is the same like year where he's doing my science project where he's insane in that movie too. And you know, Rod and I talked about that a while back and I like the zaniness of this movie, but it's not great, but it's fun. And I see how it has built a cult audience. I think this is one of the times when movie Twitter found something and you said, no, everybody forgot, you know, missed what this was really trying to do. And, and it would have stuck out like a sore thumb in 1986. So now I see why it's got an audience, why people dig it. I don't think it's better than the first one, but I can see why somebody who didn't just, you know, love the first one would dig this one because it is such a, a you know, far turn into Albuquerque and Looney Tunesville. So, but it, it's a fun one. Uh, so yeah, medium popcorn for me. Folks, as always, you can follow the show's social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
go there, follow us, and you'll get updates about upcoming series. Um, Ron usually runs the films for Twitter and is great about, you know, interacting with folks and stuff. And if you follow him on Discord and on Dinner Geek and stuff, you can check out what he's got going on. Go to filmstrippodcast.com and you will link to our anchor uh, distribution site where everything is there. And you can also find a link to our Letterboxd page. Our Letterboxd page has the entire archives listed uh, in order for you, or you can just go through your podcast feed on Apple, Google, or Spotify and see the 300-plus episodes we've got. Lots of different stuff in there. Nick and I have done together. Ron, Lindsay, and I have done together. Different guests the last few years. But we, you know, we've had a, a big cast on Filmstrip, many who have retired from podcasting at this point. But lots of cool stuff there for you to check out. We'd appreciate it if you would. And if you can, leave us a five-star review wherever you can. Share the show on your social media as it helps other people find the podcast. We do appreciate the support. So until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.